the VCG podcast is sponsored by Forget Me Not Flowers and Gifts in Barrie, Vermont. Forget Me Not Flowers and Gifts is at a new location on Main Street. So check them out if you're looking for flowers or gifts for someone in your life. Welcome to the Chaotic Good Cast. This is our weekly geeky roundtable discussion with me and my friends as we talk about everything that is going on in, you know, gaming and movies and TV shows and pretty much everything that we're into. Uh, I'm your host, Doug Shoot. Joining me, as always, is Ben Higgins from Quarterstaff Games. How are we doing, everyone? We have Rob Collegian from a Pond's perspective. Chicken nuggets. I love the nug nugs. We have <laughs> the geek of the north, Jason Hunt. Apparently, I'm very Canadian. <laughs> I don't know where you heard that from, Jason. We have RPG board gamer extraordinaire, Brandon Scotland. I'm just a guy from the internet. And we also have Medusa Game Store co-owner, Bob Beaver. I rolled a three. <laughs> Gentlemen, thank you so much for uh, joining me this week on the Good Goodcast. I hope you all had a great week. Why don't we start with a new segment we have on the show called New at the Store. And Bob, feel free to uh, join in on... Uh, Ben's segment here. It doesn't have to be a Ben-only segment, I'm just telling you right now. Although, as much as Ben would like it to be a Ben-only segment. <laughs> I can only make my throne of games bigger if it's only for me. <laughs> I have to share my games. The throne gets small. Ben, you are the co-manager at uh, Quarterstaff Games in Burlington, Vermont. What uh, what'd you get new in at the store this uh, week? So this... This week was kind of a big week for kids' games, uh, specifically from the uh, Blue Orange uh, publisher. They put out five games all released this week uh, that are great for kids and families. Uh, a couple of the highlights were, uh, I spoke about it last week, Planet, that officially released. Uh, so we had that. And then there was also Sherlock Express, which is a very quick-paced kind of deduction game for two to six players ages seven and up then they had sprint which was basically like the tortoise in the hair but it's kind of a guessing game uh and the more you are accurate in your guesses the further along the racetrack you go and there was panic island which seemed to be like a fun uh it's almost like a it reminded me of escape from atlantis but crossed with forbidden island so you have to it's kind of like memory on uh on on chaotic goodness if you will so uh, you're you're trying to get away by making matches and and getting everyone to safety uh, it's a cooperative race game so it's a uh, pretty pretty fun little uh family game for everyone involved now the major release i'm gonna guess this week was or last week was the new keyforge set yes that's that, a good exception uh, that good uh, assumption 
that absolutely hit stores and at least that quarter staff has been uh, a gangbusters release. Uh, I'm not sure how it's been doing for you, Bob, but I assume uh, pretty well. Keyforge died off for us uh, for a good little bit just from the lack of support. Um, but this new release has really picked it up again. I think we've sold uh, at least three or four boxes already. Is that all that is new at the store right now, Ben? The- I'm kind of looking and seeing what else we got in Take a look week. at that throne and see what's yeah. added to right. it lately. The, uh, the Gloomhaven expansion finally hit retail oh yeah that was out how Uh, can you expand that game it's uh, already enormous but by 40 by 40 dollars that's how you can expand it just i keep i keep i see that box every time i go into um river city games as as a as a franchise game store up here in canada i don't know if it's in the states but they have like board games pool tables dark ones that kind of thing and gloomhaven is always sitting right at the front of the store Mm -hmm. like it's gonna block a truck from getting in the window that's huge (laughs) It's the only board game that I've ordered where a case pack was one copy. So Isn't that crazy. Yeah. It is it's a it's a it's a crazy game and yeah, I'm I am interested to see how well the expansion does because we sold many copies of the base game and of course the kickstarters and everything that Cephala Fair games did were huge. But no one has asked me for a copy of expansion. So I'm not sure what that says about the longevity of Gloomhaven. A lot of people still talk highly of it. But yeah, does it need an expansion? Or are people just like, it was too much. I had to put it away so that I could play other stuff. Like, I don't well, know. I'm not sure. Such a big setup. It it's is. not a game that you can break. Like If it's raining in an afternoon, you can't be like, hey, we've got two hours to kill before dinner. Let's play some Gloomhaven. You'll barely have it all out of the box <laughs> before if you suffer. If only you had some sort of uh, insert for it. Like a custom <laughs> insert. <laughs> yeah. What? Well, maybe uh, Broken Token sells a Haven Gloom. <laughs> I will say uh, Gloomhaven was the heaviest game in my collection until recently. I finally received a game that weighs more than, than Gloomhaven. Ooh, wow. And, and that would be uh, Madara. So Gloomhaven, I believe, is what twenty-two pounds. Yeah, and uh, yep. Madara came in at twenty-seven. Wow, that's a heavy game. Yeah, it's it's enough that it 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 actually takes a bit of of effort to lift it. Wow, <laughs> like it's not don't. just like oh, let's grab it off the shelf. It's make sure I don't drop this as I take it off the shelf. Do you need like don't a spotter? Sp- right, don't yeah. skip. <laughs> you got a team with this game. Like a weight belt yeah. on and everything. Yeah, basically, I put like Madara under one arm and Gloomhaven on the other, and just do some squats. <laughs> nice. Nerd exercises. <laughs> Probably one of those games where everybody starts off, and you know, you play for a couple of hours, and it's really fun. And then people are like, you know what? I'm, I'm kind of getting hungry. Maybe we should just. And they, then you do the classic thing. Let's just leave it on the table. We'll come back to it later. And then three days later, you're looking at it, saying, "I'm just going to put this crap away." See, now, the thing that I've always had with Gloomhaven is, A, I'm scared to take everything out of the box because I'm afraid I'm not going to ever put it all back in. The other thing is, I know it's one of those games where I need to leave it out. If I'm going to play it and I want to keep playing it, I need to leave it out. And when you've got kids, when you've got pets, like you just can't leave a game out on the table open because 
it's going to get disturbed. Yeah, it's you're just asking for trouble there. Yeah, lost components, yeah. and broken things. That's the reason we haven't opened yet. I, I've opened the box and I've looked in it, and I've been intimidated to do more than just take like the first couple booklets out. Right. Because I I know it's I'm going to go down that rabbit hole, and it's going to be like three hours later, and I'm just going to be figuring out how to put stuff back in. Right. If you can get stuff back in, I've heard. Yeah. Uh, I've heard it is a game you need to pay attention to how it came out of the box yeah. or you will not be able to close it. They'll go and uh, design a box that you can deliberately put things back in because they add, they give you extra space. Like even like just a really super simple uh, example is Cards Against Humanity. Their, their big box has tons of room. Like your cards are flopping around all over the place because they know they're going to release enough expansions to fill it. But when you get to something the size of Gloomhaven, if they had made that box any bigger, they never would have sold any. You'd need a friggin' forklift to take it home. So they had to go with like the absolute smallest footprint box they could. And that is kind of a problem when you're looking at trying to put everything away. I'd love to see how many folks buy this expansion compared to the original game. I have like when I talk to most publishers, they'll tell you that most expansions are about 50%. They sell about 50% of what the uh, original game went for or sold through so i've got to think it's way way less with gloomhaven's expansion forty dollars is almost a third of what gloomhaven costs how big is the box by the way ben uh that's what i'm kind of trying to find some information here it's not super big it contains uh what one more character class and about 20 new scenarios but it uses a lot of the stuff that's from the base game. Oh, okay. So, I mean, I know people who are, they've had the original for a while and are still playing through it. Oh, absolutely. You know, and they're playing fairly, my, my two cousins, uh, Jane and Phil, they do the, the table for two show. They've been uh, playing Gloomhaven for a while now, fairly consistently. And I know they're not done with that, uh, with the base set. Yeah. One, uh, one new character class. Uh, Accompanying scenario book and also seven new monster types, including three new bosses and 14 new items. So it's not a huge expansion, but it's uh, it's definitely enough to probably mix up what you're what you're going for. So, yeah, is that uh, is that all that was added to the throne of games this week, Ben? That that w- that was it. It was we are we're prepping for some big new releases next week. Uh, or actually, uh, yeah, ne- uh, next week after this podcast drops, the uh, Games Workshop is launching their new paint line, the Ooh. Contrast Paints. Uh, yeah, so, we're, we're going to talk about that next week, I think. Yeah. Because um, I, um, I saw some videos this this evening, and even my wife was like, wow, that's pretty cool stuff. And, uh, and then the Magic Modern Horizons set drops. Uh, actually, it'll drop. Uh, we'll have pre-release the day after this podcast hits and then we will have the release the week after that so that's a lot of big stuff coming down the pipe so it was kind of a quiet week this week those are good week good weeks to have every once in a while so now let's uh, let's segue into the box office uh this week uh a new number one took the box office it was godzilla king of the monsters uh it took 49 million in the number one spot but the interesting thing to know is that the original godzilla in 2014 um 
brought in 93 million. So this one just barely brought in about 50% than the first movie, which for a franchise is not encouraging to see. Um, did anybody see uh, Godzilla King of the Monsters this this uh, last week? I saw it. Uh, I thought it was a good time. Um, the first Godzilla movie that I remember, honestly, is like Godzilla with uh, Matthew Broderick. Sure. Yeah. So that's uh, a lot of folks. This first movie one. is uh, substantially different. I, I <laughs> feel like this is more like what Godzilla is supposed to be. Sure. Now, did, have you seen the one that came out in 2014? I did. I did. Okay. I thought that one was good. Yeah, it was. It was pretty good. I thought. Did anybody else? Uh, anybody else see it this week? I did see it. I'll just mention it right off the top. I uh, I I took a last minute trip to the movie theater, knowing we were recording tonight. Nice. And and got in a, a viewing of it. I didn't really care for it. I'll be perfectly honest. Okay. It it okay. did not hold. Did not really hold my attention for the over two hour runtime. Okay, so was, is I, it over two hours? Yeah, it is. It's yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah two hours and eleven even, minutes. I didn't even realize it was that long. Yeah, it it is, and and I'll I'll be straight up honest. I was really excited about this movie because I love kaiju movies in general. Um, I like the original the the 2014 movie. Uh, I love Pacific Rim, the first movie. Uh, I wish that they would have more movies like that that Del Toro could direct because the other Pacific Rim movie was kind of garbage. But oh, that was that was a rough movie to watch. <laughs> yeah, that was not good. Um, I liked this movie. I did not love this movie. Um, I thought it was way, way too dark. Um, I don't know Wait, why like they always, yeah, visually, visually, visually it was way too dark. And I don't know why these kaijus have to fight in the middle of the night, to be honest with you. Does DC own the rights? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you would think so watching this movie. Um, there were, a, and, and I'm going to agree with Ben that there was a good section of the middle of the movie that was really slow. Like I caught myself nodding off, which is no, not like the, good. I saw so I went to the movies with someone. The person next to me like fell asleep. Yeah. yeah See, I kind of felt that way about the 2014 Godzilla. Okay. Because I, I grew up on, on old school Kaiju movies. Like my dad was a big uh, Rodan fan and we nice. used to watch old old Godzilla movies and and Gamera and Ultraman mm. and like all of these so when you know I I hated the Matthew Broderick Godzilla I thought yeah, it was I terrible like and when I saw the trailer for the first legendary uh Godzilla movie I was super excited because oh my god this Godzilla looks amazing and funny enough even though Godzilla had almost the same amount of screen time as as it did in the the very first ever Godzilla movie I felt it was just it was so slow paced and I wanted to see giant monsters punching each other in the face like mm-hmm, that's what I grew mm-hmm. up with and it was a good movie it was just very slow until kind of that final battle which was epic um, so I am looking forward to seeing this new one I'm hoping to go see it with my dad I'm not expecting much but I am expecting 
giant monsters punching each other in the face. And I'm, I'm kind of hoping it brings back that feeling of when I used to watch the old, you know, dude in a rubber suit Godzilla. Right. Movies. Right. Um, yeah, th- there's some scenes that are pretty, pretty awesome. Um, yeah. And, and I'm going to tell I, you, I want to see it just because it has King Gator, Mothra, Rodan, like that was that's the only thing that I did. Well, not the only thing I didn't like about the 2014 version. The 2014 version was a Brian Cranston vehicle. He right, was just done right. with Breaking Bad, and they were banking on his star power. And oh, so yeah. that, of course, took that took a ton of the screen time. Like the story between dad and son was it was okay. It wasn't anything great, and they took a lot of time on that, unfortunately. And they didn't have yeah, the uh, Toho it. didn't have the rights uh, available for any of the, the of the uh, actual. Uh, Godzilla monsters. That's why they had those two giant mosquito insect looking things because they didn't have the rights to anything else. <laughs> right, right. But um, like, yeah, he, like, like you said, um, the fight scene was epic. It was awesome. It was great. It's just there's a whole chunk of that movie that didn't need to be in there for the sake of good. For, like, it's you don't go to Godzilla for the character development. Right. No, yeah, right. You go for the monsters. That exactly. movie that's is. It. That's one advantage that the new one has, though, is if you look at the cast. The, the only name that really sticks out um, is Ken Watanabe and Charles Dance. Everybody else, not really big name actors. Like Kyle Chandler, eh, I, I really don't care for the guy. He he makes a good uh, doofus in movies. But they've gotten away from big name casting and thrown it towards, hey, you know, this is a movie about monsters. Let's show the monsters. Well, I, I'm going to disagree but, a little bit. Then, they do have Millie Bobby Brown in this movie. Yep, yeah, they do. Uh, and that's well, a pretty big people name. People mistakes all the time. She's taken off recently. Right, she's she's that, that I mean, little she, project called Stranger Things. Yeah, you know? I mean, she's uh, pretty much a household name at this point you now. Uh, what <laughs> really? excites me most that's, that's is what I have uh, to say about Stranger Things. Unfortunately, I'm like, eh. I'm like the only guy in the world that really didn't like got, Stranger Things. I gotta say, it was awkward having her say more than like three words at a time. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. I'm excited true. that these movies are doing well enough, at least that they'll they'll keep going, and we'll you know we're gonna get the the Godzilla versus Kong. Well, that's what they, they, they set this movie up for. I mean, not that I, I want to create too many spoilers, but they do set this movie up for the next movie, which is Godzilla versus Kong. But if you stay until the end and watch the post credit scene, you kind of have an idea that it might not be Godzilla versus Kong. They might be pulling a uh, uh what's batman justice superman. yeah batman versus superman uh kind of situation where they well, kind of team up they've done that they've done that before where yeah it's it's godzilla and and kong fight and in the end they they team up against the bigger threat right right and that's i i think that's kind of what they allude to if you stick around for the post credit scene which you should um it is worth sticking around for so um yeah i, I i'm excited that they're, they'll at least kind of hopefully play out the move the the franchise to this next movie, and then we'll see what happens after that. But does as long as they it, it doesn't uh... end up being Pacific Rim two though. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's 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 my concern right now. Is with its opening weekend, um, you like it's very unlikely that it's going to meet or beat that goal again. And they spent almost two hundred million dollars making this movie, so mm. she needs to have a pretty solid run to make back the money they've invested. And if it doesn't, then they will start cutting on the next movie. That's It'll true. Be, oh, we can't afford this. We can't afford that. And it's got to be shorter and it's got to be more action packed. And, you know, they'll start sacrificing things for that. 
Well, it'll definitely be a success. Uh, I just checked the numbers on Box Office Mojo. Far, and it's already made $130 million. Right. right. So it'll make the money back. Well, well, I guess, yeah, you know what? I'd be curious to see what it did in Japan, like well, how it was received critically in Japan, because they're the, they're the folks that are Godzilla, like <laughs> tried and true Godzilla people. <laughs> yeah, but I wonder, like, you know, they, they came out with Shin Godzilla a few years ago, which was was really really good it was a very kind of dark and and grotesque godzilla movie where it was it was a reboot um and i know there was even some some deleted scenes that were even nastier that they uh that you can still see but yeah i'm interested to see how they compare the once again you dude in a rubber suit versus versus this uh Godzilla. CGI, yeah. Aladdin was number two. Rocket Man was number three, which I don't anticipate Rocket Man being really big internationally, maybe. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. On uh, that. I'm sure it'll be a, I'm sure it'll do well in Europe. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It it just uh, it came out at number three and it only brought in twenty five million, which is way lower than the um uh the yeah. Bohemian Rhapsody uh, Queen. You're looking at, uh, uh, yeah, you're looking at Elton John, and a lot of Elton John's fans are. You're looking at like 50 year olds. Yeah. Well, I mean, how many? How how old are Queen fans at this point? Uh, it's a it's still Queen is still fairly popular with younger crowd. Whereas, and Elton John, yeah. I'm, I can't knock Elton John. I love Elton John, but um, like just for general penetration into the pop culture, I think Queen has a leg up on Elton. That's true. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, it'd be interesting uh, to see the country breakdown on the international uh, box I, office I on would, Godzilla. I would so, note, uh, just to touch on Rocketman versus uh, Bohemian Rhapsody, mm-hmm. Rocketman does have an R rating. So you're cutting out a lot of people that might go to it. Yes, where that they is kinda, true. Where they definitely made it a push to make uh, the Queen biopic uh, PG-13. I didn't so. even think of that. Looks like... Uh... Uh, Godzilla 2 took in uh, 8.4 million in Japan. 8.4 million? That's it? Yeah, but that's more than uh, the, the Godzilla 2014 brought in. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta wonder what is considered a large, you know, what, what's a good number considering it's, you know, Japan is is a relatively small. That's true. Yeah, it only and, played know, on 600 screens there, something that's not even oh, so the release wasn't even that large. Huh. That is what made up the box office this week. Let's talk a little bit about uh, TV shows for a minute. I have the DC s- streaming service. I don't know. Does anybody else in this this uh, roundtable have uh, a DC Universe? I can't have it because I'm a dirty Canadian. <laughs> oh, that's right. You can't. You can't have it, can you, Jason? I get so, to vi- I get to view the fascinating. This is not currently available in your area. Keep peering back for updates to see when it becomes uh, available in your area. I think Titans is coming out on Netflix for you guys, though. Uh, Titans actually came out on our Canadian version of Sci-Fi, which is called Space, uh, which I was very grateful for. <laughs> nice. The debut of the Swamp si- Swamp Thing series came out this week and uh i got to watch the first episode and i was you know i was pleasantly surprised by the fact that it was decent i liked it um you know was it like earth shattering or anything no but 
it was good. If you like Swamp Thing, it's a good Swamp Thing show. Swamp was it better awesome. than like the old uh, USA Swamp Thing show? Yeah. Oh, definitely, definitely. Hey, wait, we don't talk about that. Yeah. I used to love that show. Oh, I have it on DVD. Okay, well, you know, we're not going to talk about I mean, that. I, <laughs> I don't watch it anymore, but you know, I used to enjoy it as a kid. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. the the makeup in that show was actually quite good. Yeah. For its time. It was uh, it was good. It's uh, just like all the other DC shows. It's very adult themed. Um, it it has some gore to it. Um, it's very dark. Um, the swamp is very creepy. Um, and yeah, I think they did a good job setting it up. I, I did hear that the series was cut short, though, so that has me a little worried. Um, how the overall series is going to be just for this first season, but overall, I I, I like the first season, and I, I mean the first episode, and I I think it's headed in the right direction. I'm not a huge Swamp Thing, you know, uh, fan, but like I said, I watched the uh, the original USA show, and uh, I'm I'm more of a Man Thing uh, from Marvel. Oh. I wish that that was uh, more of a uh, I, I would love it if if Disney announced some sort of uh, streaming Man Thing series, which would I would be more excited for that. But you know, Swamp Thing is a good alternative. I'm gonna fight you, Doug. Wow, wow, Jason. I know Jason, you're a big Swamp Thing guy, aren't you? Oh yeah, I I have I used to have every, well um, until what ten years ago, I had every single Swamp Thing comic spinoff from every company. Uh, ever heard of they were all beaten the crud pardon the french um because i wasn't i was a comic collector but i wasn't the comic collector that was sitting and boarding and backing and plasticking and using uv protective plastic and never reading things because i wanted to resell things i i collected comics to read the darn things so i was i must have read the swap thing series a good 15 times during its run wow That's impressive. yeah i hope uh i hope this series is you know, true to the comic. Like I said, I, don't, I haven't really read the comic all that much, so... Um, as long as they do it justice, I will be happy no matter how long the series is. We'll see. Well, I'll uh, I'll give you the update on, on episode two when that releases later this week. Um, by the time this uh, podcast airs, it should be uh, released on Friday, so hopefully, you know, episodes two, episode two just follows right along with episode one. So the other big streaming services, Netflix, and Netflix has made a couple big announcements these last few days or so. They released the Dark Crystal uh, trailer for the new series that's coming out. Um, is anybody excited about that? Do you guys grow no. up with no. Dark Crystal? Oh, no? man, no. I'm so hyped no, for that. that. Yeah. <laughs> that's, it, uh, the trailer was amazing. It looks good. I just recently happened to rewatch the original movie and watching the trailer, I was like, did they just keep filming? Right. Like they've captured the look and the feel of the original Dark Crystal movie perfectly. They they were going to have to like there was no way that the show was going to do anything unless it really was spot on. Now, didn't I hear that they found Jim Henson's notes or something about this? Like. Didn't he have like a whole other notebook with, about Dark Crystal and like they took those notes was... and kind of ran with it? I, I, for some reason, I'm thinking that for some reason, and I don't know if that's true or not. 
I'm not sure if they they found an O book, but I know that his world building for the Dark Crystal world was his most extensive. Uh, there were there were tons of notes and sketches and everything, not just about what the movie ended up being. But yeah, there was lots of character designs that never made it into the movie in any way, shape, or form. Apparently, yeah. Wow. I'm not sure if that's recently uncovered or if it's just hey, it's time to take all this information and adapt it. It's definitely one of those movies that you could definitely, like, the movie felt like it was just a glimpse into a bigger world. And so Mm -hmm. it's kind of neat to see that world develop even further. That's why I liked his storytelling so much, actually. He just started things going. There was no, you know, five minutes of exposition at the beginning of the movie to set the tale or anything like that. It was just, here, you're going to land on your feet. While we're moving along, you're going to find out things about the world. By the time we get to the end of the thing, you're going to be like, oh my goodness, this is what's going on. I'm excited to see where this Dark Crystal series goes. Hopefully, it, maybe it'll get renewed for another season. That would be really cool. Um, I don't I, know. Uh, I mean, it it should. Yeah. Uh, if there's so much kind of hype leading up to this, I wouldn't be surprised if you saw an announcement of a second season before we've even gotten the first season that's oh, yeah. cool netflix has done that already with a few of their, on their the heels of this there are people already clamoring for labyrinth already for oh really well, that would be amazing would yeah, be people, have, people no. have been freaking out they're like oh my god you done it crystal let's go do labyrinth again and i'm like the only thing with labyrinth is you don't have bowie, bowie if you don't have bowie good big chunk of that movie yeah yeah, that's true. yeah. If you don't have bowie I, I don't i don't know if you can do it it's like that that hellboy remake <laughs> Tough sell without Bowie. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, speaking of Hellboy, did you see that uh, Netflix is in the works to make a Hellboy series as well? Yeah. Yeah. I heard yes. about that. Yeah. Completely new cast, not related to the new movie. Exactly. So I'm excited about that. Yeah. I think that would be, that would be pretty cool. Um, it kind of gets, it kind of, you kind of have to see who's directing it and who's behind it. But, you know, I think a series could do a lot better than just, trying to cram everything all into a, a couple hours movie. Yeah, that was the one, the fans, like the diehard fans of the Hellboy series, that was their big complaint, was that they glossed over a lot of really interesting character points, and, you know, that's what you have to do in a two-hour movie, you can't help right. it. But, yeah, if they, if they throw a series out and they actually bring Mike in as, like, a as a producer and maybe, I don't think Guillermo would be really interested in doing a Netflix series, I, but I don't as know. a creative he, consultant, I think he would be amazing to have on board. Doesn't he do, uh, he does a series already for the Netflix, doesn't he? Doesn't Del Toro? Yeah. What, what's it called? It's called, um, oh, what is it called? It's an animated. I didn't know he had one. Yeah, I thought so. There was, uh, there was an animated, um, what the heck was that called? Shoot, I can't remember the name of it now. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm looking it up right now. As we oh, no, it. it's, uh, there's um, Troll Hunters. Troll Hunters, yeah, that's exactly what I'm looking for. Yes, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> I, was like, people... I know, because I remember I saw, I saw him uh, in makeup, or well, not in makeup, but I saw like a funny picture of, of somebody took uh, Del Toro and kind of made him up to look like a troll, and I saw that picture, and I was like, I know what it is now. Yeah, people really uh, speak highly of that series. So he's worked I've with Netflix. It, I haven't seen it though. Yeah, so he's worked with Netflix. So there's there's definitely a relationship there. I can't see why, you know, unless you know the money is an issue. But I'm hoping there's no sour grapes for the new Hellboy thing. Yeah, like I'm hoping that would that would be like 
I, I like I actually I didn't mind David Harbour as Hellboy. I thought he looked pretty cool in the makeup. Oh yeah. He... But a lot of a lot of people were bent out of shape that Perlman wasn't involved and Del Toro was kind of eh. Well, if you ask David Harbour, he'll tell you. Marvel is ah, yeah. the reason why that movie failed. <laughs> that whole chocolate analogy, holy crap. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm I, I yeah, I can't uh, really agree with David on that one, but <laughs> that was so bizarre. Yeah. I don't he must have been just caught off guard by that whole thing cuz he went down the rabbit hole big time on that. Yeah. Oh, well. I mean, we all want you know, anything that we do, we always want it to be a success if it's if we're tied to it personally. But uh, yeah, that was that was well, stretching it for for him. for Del Toro with, with the Hellboy thing. Like him and Perlman fought so hard yeah. to get that movie made. Like yeah, it was absurd. So another series that uh, Netflix just announced, I think today, um, or at least word leaked that uh, they're making a series. They're making a whole series about Magic the Gathering. It's an animated series by the Russo brothers of all folks. And you know the Russo brothers from Endgame. They directed yeah. that. This could be absolutely amazing or absolutely terrible. This is true. Like, this is true. I don't think it's gonna go I don't think it's gonna go in the middle. It's gonna be like blow it out of the water or just man, they tried, but no dice. Yeah. It's it's uh they actually just a couple hours ago. Uh, released a little 40 second teaser trailer as well. Oh, no I, kidding. I, I didn't even see that. Oh, really? I've been watching. Yeah. Like I didn't even know it existed. And I just, you know, quickly typed in, you know, magic Netflix on Twitter and boom, there it is. And it's definitely got an animation style. That's kind of akin to the, the star Wars rebels and oh, okay. the clone wars. Sure. It's that type of computer animation. It's not the, the, uh, the very anime style or the cell shade, but uh, it uh, seems like it's focusing on the Chandra character and has a bunch of imagery from the Zendikar world of Magic: The Gathering. So, kind of a th- uh, it's either going to be new stories or fleshing out some of the older story from uh, from four or five years ago in Magic's timeline. So it'll be interesting to see what they do. See, I was really, I was really hoping for like a series that focused on the the formation of the Gatewatch, like that kind of, you know, that story, and then maybe give some some flashbacks about how the Planeswalkers got their sparks. And I think it could work really, really well. Um, See, that's the thing with it. There's so much for them to mine for creative ideas in the world of Magic: The Gathering. Yeah, they've done so much since the beginning of that game to create a world, to create multiple worlds, and they've just hopped around all over the place. Like, they could, if this takes off, they could easily run this for decades. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, there's 25 years of magic at this point, and... The only thing I would be worried about is a lot of people who are big fans are going to be... They'll cast somebody, or they'll cast a voice, or they'll use a likeness, and... People will be like, hey, I don't like that. That doesn't look right. This or, or worse, they get so invested into a single character, a single planeswalker or a single creature that it shows up and doesn't do well. And they're going to be all like, man, I'm shaking my nerd hat at you. Or something in the lore is changed slightly to yeah. better fit, you know, uh, an actual animated series. And they go nuts because it doesn't reflect what their cards or their exactly. lore or their novels yeah. or their whatever. And and, anybody and we know much how much of a fan base is going to be rabid yeah. about that. You know, no, no matter what happens, there's going to be people that say that. Oh, that's true. That's true. 
So real quick before sure. we move off the streaming, yeah, did uh, did anybody catch Good Omens on Amazon? I have not. I've got that uh, in my queue it to is watch. So good. Is it, it? Is so good. Mm. It. Uh, Beatrice and I watched it over the weekend, over the course of uh, I forgot if it was two or three nights, um, and it was. I, I have not read the book, um, which I hear though that it is it is pretty faithful, but just the casting, the pacing of it. The the humor, I just thought it was really well done, and I really enjoyed it. Now, that's the one where the director is actually put it out on the internet that he wants fans to find all the Doctor Who Easter eggs that he put out through the whole series, correct? Is that what I, I read the know, other day? But now I'm going to have to go and watch it again. Because is it, isn't uh, one of the... Isn't like yeah, one of the uh, Dave, David big... Tennant... Yeah, yeah, he plays yeah. uh he plays Crowley the demon. Yeah, um, and his performance is out of this world. Awesome. Yeah, it, yeah. I mean, it is over the top and a little bit cheesy. I mean, it's <laughs> when you think Terry Pratchett. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think it just it comes across so well. Nice. In in the show. Nice. Yeah. No, he the director said we've put all these different Doctor Who uh, Easter eggs in the series. We want folks to try to find them all. And uh, so yeah, there, there's this online, you know, fervor on how many Easter eggs Scavenger there actually hunt. are. Yeah. <laughs> nice. I love. If that. you're looking for a good movie to watch on Netflix this week, uh, check out Rim of the World. Rim of the World. Okay. It's um, it's kids on bikes. <laughs> oh, I think I saw this. It's literally kids on bikes. But I've heard it is not family friendly like some people thought it might be. Oh, it's uh, not. Jason, are you trying to like make me watch something with my daughter that's not appropriate? No, 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 I no. I do no, that no, enough no, on my no. own. You and, Sydney, you and Sydney would love this. Um, okay. I, I think you're, uh, yeah, I think Sydney's probably old enough, but I think like I heard people were thinking it was going to be more like a Goonies type oh. movie and it was a little bit more adult than that. Okay. Interesting. Am I am there's, I wrong? There's no there's no like you know guy gets his intestines ripped out in front of you and um, there's some violence but it's not in your face kind of thing like um, I won't I don't want to spoil anything about the movie but it's safe to watch with anybody I would say over the age of ten or eleven it's not you're not seeing anything on the show that you haven't seen on an episode of Supernatural. Okay. Interesting. Cool. I'll check it out. All right, so the major thing in gaming that happened was UK Game Expo last weekend. Um, now there was a lot of lot of stuff that happened over the weekend, um, but let me just start out by saying UK Games Expo is one show that I've wanted to go for years, and I hope I get a chance to go at some point. I don't know if I ever will. Um, but it just, there's so many publishers, so many designers that I have connected with online that I know go to UK Games Expo that aren't able to come over here in the States for one reason or another. And I would love to go over there and just go to that show and meet them in person, talk to them in person and game in the uk i think that would be awesome have any have any of you guys been to the uk uk games expo sadly no 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 i think you have to go to the uk to, to <laughs> UK game expo yeah i think that's probably is you know a requirement um i i know I, a lot of cool guys in the uk that that game and their game clubs are quite 
um, they're families. Honestly, oh yeah, absolutely. In a lot of those cases, they're like they get together and it's like an extended family. It's not just you know you walk into a place and you're just you know you look at your things and you go home. It's like it's like why it's like Cheers. You know, you walk in and everybody knows who you are. You know, you have a good time, and a lot of them serve beer. <laughs> <laughs> Ben, have you uh, have you ever wanted I, to go to UK Games Expo, or have you gone it? I guess I haven't. I I have not gone. I I know a few few people over in that neck of the woods, and I've been invited a couple of times, but uh, just like you, I have not been able to make it work. Uh, but would love to someday. Maybe maybe next year we do a, a chaotic good cast uh, road trip, oh, except you know without man. roads. Just just the idea that uh, just gets me pumped because i would love to do that over there um we make we can make this happen yeah maybe maybe <laughs> we'll see i we'll think we can do it i mean we, we we don't have like the big budget like the pawns perspective does so he's <laughs> rob's probably have uh rob probably goes there every single year i'm guessing oh yeah i just i just uh fly you my hop- private jet the over pawns there. perspective uh jet there uh, it's actually shaped like a giant pawn <laughs> a uh, pawn with completely wings. Completely not aerodynamic. Wastes <laughs> tons of fuel. Yeah, I mean, I just and then I just I pop over for like a couple hours, and then I'm like, you know what? All these plebes here, and I just come back. <laughs> there are meeples everywhere. That's right. Nice, nice. But seriously, Robbie, have have you ever been to UK Games Expo? No, no, no. no. The no. the largest convention I have ever been to is is PAX Unplugged. Generally, oh, nice. I only hit smaller uh, local stuff. Which I we'll we'll talk about UK Games Expo more in just a second. I will say that uh, I know Ben and Rob and I will be at PAX Unplugged in December. So if anybody that listens to this podcast uh, would like to. Uh, meet us in person or chat with us uh, face-to-face, you know, I think uh, the best option you're going to have is uh, PAX Unplugged in uh, Philly later this year. Um, hopefully, maybe we can get Brandon and, and Bob and Jason down with us. So that would be even better. Um, I would like love to. A live awesome. recording of the Victory Condition Gaming Chaotic Good Podcast. Oh, we, we could Ooh. definitely do it. Last uh, last. Was it last year we did? Uh, we did a recording from Alan's hotel room. So, I remember that. Yeah, I think uh, I, <laughs> a lot of people remember that for various reasons. <laughs> we we need to make sure Doug knows when to turn on recording and when to not turn on recording. Yeah, we, we need to, <laughs> and we need to make sure that Alan knows when recording is happening and when it's not. <laughs> Clips uh, might happen. Uh, you never know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I'm excited to get to at least pack some plugged again this year. Um, but yeah, let's go back to UK Games Expo for for a little bit. Um, UK Games Expo. The well, let's just talk about the good stuff first, and then we'll talk uh, about something that transpired that was less than uh, less than good. I guess is probably the best way to put that. Um, First thing, let's just say that congratulations to Free League Publishing. They walked away with the People's Choice and the Judge's Choice for Best RPG for Forbidden Lands. Rob, you and I uh, have uh, a little experience with Forbidden Lands. Oh, wait, and yep, Jason, and too, right? Yeah. And Jason. Indeed, I do. 
Yeah. And, and people yeah. can watch us play uh, Wednesday nights. Wednesday, or this Wednesday, coming Wednesday night. This yeah. coming, well, after this uh, podcast airs, it would be the previous Wednesday. But yeah, we're going to, we do Forbidden Lands the first Wednesday of every month. Uh, we had uh, our first episode last Wednesday, which has done really, really well on the show. Uh, I'm excited for uh, episode two. Um, I, I really dig the setting and the game itself um what are you what are you thinking of uh, forbidden land so far rob i am uh, i'm really liking it i need to make sure i bring more d6s to the table on wednesday because <laughs> uh, i was just i had four in front of me and i definitely need more uh, i'm liking the system i'm i'm already digging the character i made so nice. uh, this is gonna be fun this yeah. is gonna be fun it's gonna be good um jason what, what are your thoughts on forbidden lands um i like that in less than half an hour i had a firm grasp on the system even though i had read the books yep the way jody introduced it to us and had us making rolls and stuff like that uh it was instantly intuitive like nothing was oh well this doesn't make any sense to me i have to why do i have to roll this you know it all made sense like i was worried when i looked at the list of skills and talents and stuff i was like there's only like 20 some like what that's not very deep and then i thought it's not just those skills. It's it's an ability score that's tied to those skills. Right, right. <laughs> and that, that allows for a lot of variation. And I learned that the hard way when I tried to do things that I had absolutely no ability to do. Because <laughs> it I turned out it's, it was really difficult to roll sixes. <laughs> it, it is. It's, you know, if you don't have a huge dice pool, it's, you know... Your, your chances of success are really low, but... Well, even you, when I was rolling eight or nine dice, because there was a couple oh, really? times when I was... I had my serious druid going on there, and I rolled nine dice at one point, and I got one six. Well, that's all you and need for was, success, it, though. Well, see, yeah, and that's what I was... Um, I had not anticipated that properly. I read it in the rules, but then I didn't realize you only really need one six to right. do the thing. Like, more sixes is gravy on top of winning. Exactly. One six is all you need. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you roll a six, you succeed. Un- unless it's something that's super, super like challenging, and then you need multiple sixes. Yeah, that's Jody. Yeah, Jody will tell but Jody us. Yeah, would yeah, probably like, told hey. us that. I'm, I'm guessing. Or at least I hope he would. Um, um, but yeah. As yeah. a quick sidebar, did you did you notice that Jody is now playing the Elder Scrolls games? Oh, is he? No, I didn't know that. Yeah. So I, I told him on his own page on Facebook, which is Questwise for those who want to follow him, um, that if, well, actually, I think it might be on his personal page, at, uh, on his own personal page that I did that. Um, I told him if we faced a dragon in episode two, I was going to have to beat him up. So Free League took the best RPG for people's choice, the judge's choice, and not only that, they also debuted uh, the or did play tests of the Aliens RPG, which we talked out in the previous uh, Chaotic Good cast, and all the reports out of uh, UK Games Expo is that was just a ton of fun. Like folks were just having a blast playing, and I think all the sessions like filled up right away. Um, people thought it was really thematic. They did have a couple suggestions on some of the rules, which is great because that's what they wanted to do with this early, you know, cinematic play test that they uh, put out when you pre-order the game. They kind of want feet player feedback. Um, so that was good that they got some feedback in person on some of the rules and people are really digging it so far. So that's a good thing. I'm guessing. 
in the pictures, they had these really cool looking maps on the table that were all they like green did. outlines with little corridors on them. I'm curious as heck to see what those are. Did you see there's rules for like player movement in like, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't want to say Xenomorph, but like there's like um, whenever there's like a bad something bad in the ship that's creeping around or something the gm actually controls it so there's there's some tactical things with this game if you want to bring it in that i don't think any of the other games have had previously so that's kind of neat to see um but i think um i don't think you need to play it with with those rules um because we're actually going to do a playthrough on june 8th which is that's saturday right yeah. Next Saturday. Yeah. yeah, that's crazy. Um, so we're doing a playthrough of of uh, or an actual play of the Aliens RPG from Dave with Dave Samark from the uh, Coriolis Effect podcast, or I think they're called the Effect Podcast now. Um, he's actually written some of the scenarios for the Aliens RPG uh, rulebook, which we haven't seen, and he's already said that the session that we're going to do on the show on Sunday on Saturday is not a released one. It hasn't debuted at UK games expo. It's not the cinematic starter. It's a scenario that is truly unique and nobody's seen it yet. And it's probably going to be released with the core rule book or later on down the line. So I'm excited for that. I'm, I'm, really really pumped and we've got a really uh we've got uh, i think alan's gonna join me for that amanda call and josh melville are all of them are going to uh join me on saturday morning we're starting at 10 a.m in the morning because there's that time difference in the uk um because dave's from from uh, uh the uk and uh, yeah, we're gonna go for a few hours and play Aliens. I'm I'm really excited, and I really really appreciate Dave coming on and and running it for us here at VCG uh, for uh, for content. I'm I'm really really honored that uh, he took time. He's gonna take time out of his his weekend to to come on the show. Now, the one downside to the UK Games Expo, or the one the one negative thing, and unfortunately, it was the thing that probably got the most press over the weekend was an unfortunate situation where um, a GM had a slot for things from the flood. He was going to run a a session of things from the flood. And unfortunately it, it, it was advertised. Well, it was advertised as, as an 18 uh, plus session. So, you know, they knew, the players knew going ahead that it was probably going to have some adult themes, but it really dealt with some themes that were way over that. I I don't want to, we don't, I don't really want to talk a whole lot about what the session was, what entailed, what it was about. I, I, I would rather have the discussion be about how do we prevent things like this going forward um and and basically it was something it dealt with issues that were very traumatizing for the players um 
and I think this is a good discussion to have. Um, I think we should be more aware of what, uh, you know, our, our fellow players, you know, are, you know, what, what, what they don't want to deal with at the table. Um, and granted, these issues should not have been the table to begin with. But I think, you know, whenever you get to the table and you play an RPG, and I'm going to tell you right now, I, I'm guilty of this as much as anybody else. You know, I kind of take for granted that we do RPGs on the show with my friends. feel like we, we all kind of know each other um, fairly well. But I still think I need to do a better job of feeling out what themes and what subject matters folks who don't want to deal with it in an RPG session. Um, I think that that's a good thing to talk about before you start, you know, what don't you want present in this RPG? I think that it's really good when you're playing with new players, uh, especially, um, especially at a convention where you maybe you don't know everybody at the table. I think that's really, really important. Um, and then just with friends, I think you should definitely put those, those, you know, I think everybody should have a chance to say, Hey, I don't want to deal with this, or I don't want to deal with that. Um, can we please avoid the, those in these sessions? I, I think that needs to be said. Um, what about you guys? Do you guys have anything to add for this, this topic? Absolutely. Um, that's why, yeah. especially if you're doing like a long-term campaign, session zero is so important. Oh, absolutely. It allows you to oh, get absolutely. together and go over all the things that you would like to be in the campaign or let your players um, get a chance to say, these are the things I don't want to be in the campaign. Um, for con things or one shots it's way it's so much more important to just be full like you know you're not going to ruin anything by saying hey this this has some themes it could deal with this what are your limitations what do you would you like to avoid and also to do your best to empower your players even if they don't know you to be able to have a say and like play that x card like look this we have to rewind this uh this is not good for me i we can't do this so it's really we have to be more open to listening uh and being more cognizant of what other people's experiences are absolutely it, it shocks me because you're running a a mature campaign or not um in a convention setting you know it just seems like common sense that that this topic that came up would just in in a public setting, especially like this, you just wouldn't do it. Yeah. Um, you know, not not even you know, not even talking about it beforehand and be like, hey, is everybody comfortable? Just having the common sense that at a convention in an extremely public place where strangers are signing up to play your game, it's one thing to be like, hey, this is mature. Things are going to get a little violent or things, you know, but but the specific topic that came up just it boggles my mind that somebody would even think this was okay. And, and not only that, like things from the flood, like that has nothing to do with like, if, if you're, if, if you've seen the art book, if you've read the RPG, like, I don't even know how you draw like 
that into this setting like that's what really boggles me as well is like you know here are these players that probably i'm guessing had seen either the the rpg book or the art book or they they knew something about the setting and had some sort of preconceived notion that okay this is what we're going to be playing in okay yeah it might have some adult themes every once in a while but to totally bring these other you know issues into it like how do you even get there with this setting like i don't even understand like if that was somebody's first session and not knowing anything about you know the the rpg and the setting itself like i can't imagine what somebody must have been thinking like oh yeah if that was someone's first session that might have ruined the entire hobby for them absolutely oh yeah that's the thing too they're there's a certain level of understanding. When you say 18 plus, that means, okay, you can expect some violence. Um, you may actually even be able to say, okay, I went into this expecting that there might be some descriptions of gore or, you know, uh, or right. like very intense combat or something like that. You never go into that thinking what you're going to get is what happened at UK Games Expo. No one, I guarantee you, there's no one in the world who was walked up that table thinking, well, this is what we're going to do today. I, I can't it. think of any RPG besides like old school Fatal that you would even imagine this coming up in. Right. See, but the thing is that the game master, prior to going there, spent time to prepare this. Right. Knowing right. fully well what he was going to do during the game. Right. He, I guarantee, if like he's, they will never admit it. Probably, I can imagine not. But when you set up something like this that happened the way it did. Um, and they commented that it was about shock value and he was trying to make a name for himself there. He wanted to walk away being the only thing that anybody talked about when it came to UK games. Yeah, Expo. that's probably and a good point. He did get a certain amount of notoriety of that. And I, I guarantee you, it's not the attention that he wanted. Um, but that almost is a form of assault as far as I'm concerned. Oh, absolutely. Oh yeah. When, oh, you, totally. when you take a bunch of people who came there to have fun, and you set them down at a table because they thought, hey, you know what? Even if even if they've never heard of the game, if they just saw the art on the cover and said, hey, that looks really cool. I want to try that out. You don't do that to players. Uh, first time players, second time players, like even even people that I've known for years, I would not even bring that up. Like right. my, my own game group, I would never. I've played with some of these guys for 20 years now. I would never in a million years suggest this. And my, my game group is all guys right now. And they're all the good old boys, you know, like I, I probably could do something really stupid with them and they wouldn't probably not crucify me for it, but I just never would as a responsible person, a human being and a GM, you just, you don't bring that to the table. It's got no place in any game on any level with any theme. <laughs> yeah. You right. Don't. You, you want to go into a game and have fun and, and nowhere does that, Nowhere does that even hint at being fun. Yeah. No one walked away from that table thinking, wow, I had a great time. I yeah. guarantee it's it. Just, it's a subject that that really doesn't – it didn't need to be brought up. Right. No. It just, right. it just didn't need to happen. There was no reasonable explanation for it to – Yeah. To there are lots of games out there where you can do really unsavory things, like where – the, um, the characters in the game maybe even be set up to do unsavory things, to do mean things, to do even cruel things, but you don't take it to that point. Right. Right. Like 
you if you do something nasty you don't you just there's there's certain levels that every responsible human being should have to say okay i'm not going to do this especially to a group of first-time players like the the whole point of running one shots like that at a convention is you want to sell the game absolutely you want people to have fun like you want want to get them to say holy cow i'm going straight to this table and i'm buying the crap out of this game right now and like that completely undermined any chance of that happening with these people like i'm sure that like they did there it was dealt with i I don't know how extensively at this Uh, point or you know what the repercussions are going to be but i I can can talk on that a little bit um it's just ridiculous uh, that's one thing that i will give uh uk games expo a lot of props for is that they dealt with it swiftly they um they reached out to all the players and made sure they had uh proper support proper um counseling that uh, was available to them um they identified the GM and immediately kicked him out and banned him from the event for life. Um, so, you know, I, I really want to give UK Games Expo a lot of props for uh, for taking swift ash- action. Um, I, I do want to talk a little bit about what Bob mentioned earlier is the importance of an X card at the table. Um, I think... You know, even at a session zero, there's no way that you could cover every single topic that maybe you're not comfortable with at a at a session zero or just in like an hour or whatever, uh, setting up uh, an RPG uh, session. So I think the importance of an X card is definitely uh, something that that we need to maybe stress a little bit more, um, just in that way, you know, maybe unintentionally we bring up something that 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 you know someone's not comfortable with they have the power to go okay no i don't want to talk about this or i don't want this to be part of the game you know so in that way you know maybe even unintentionally this you know you don't traumatize or or uh, upset you know players at the table i think one of the one of the takeaways from this too is just how mainstream role-playing has become because i was able to find numerous uh bbc news Mm, mm -hmm. articles on this and we're not talking you know just regulated to to gaming blogs or twitter in in closed circles like this is national news over there now and it's it is our responsibility as gamers to make sure that the stories we're telling are stories our players want to be a part of. They they can push those limits. Uh, maybe this was too far. That's, in my opinion, that's up to your group to set those limits, as we talked about with the X card and everything. But having those limits in place and and making sure that that's the de facto stance of role-playing is going to be key to keep these things from happening and putting even more stains on our, on our hobbies and the industry in general. Yeah, Yeah. that's definitely something that needs to be in. I'm sure you'll start seeing it too, actually in supplements and stuff like that. And even new games as they come out now, Um, a lot of new games are are releasing um, options where it's like, okay, um, like the X card for, you don't have to explain it. 
you don't have to say anything about it. You just, you drop your X card on the table or you say, I'm using my X card if you're in a, in a verbal environment or whatever, and it's just done. There's no further conversation about it. There's no judgment about it. You can discuss it afterwards if you want to, but at that point in time, it is done. You move on. It doesn't, it basically doesn't even exist anymore. Okay. And Sorry, Jason. I don't, I don't mean to interrupt you. That was great. And you actually brought up something that I want to talk about real, real quick. Um, when you said that um, you'll, you're probably going to see this more with publishers going forward, Evil Hat actually put out um, this little graphic today um, because they just um, produced or just kickstarted uh, Cthulhu Fate. And they put out on their Facebook page this graphic that says, Horror doesn't excuse being horrible. Did anybody see this uh, on, on Facebook today? I did. I did yeah. see that. Yeah, uh, um, and and yeah, because that was what this this GM's whole thing was. He's like, well, it was a horror thing, right. so I horrified my people. And it's like, no, that's no. <laughs> that's I'm, that I'm just guy was just being. Uh, pardon, pardon French, but he was just being an ass. Yeah. At that point. Um, let me just read this because uh, it's a nice little write-up, and 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 I think it goes perfectly with with what we're trying to talk about. Um, it says the horror genre has been used to great effect in exploring and validating the consequences of sy- systemic bigotry, and unfortunately, sometimes endorsing it. In horror fiction, women and members of minority groups are often depicted as perpetual victims or as getting what's coming to them. Unquote. The purpose of this book is not to legitimatize or enable this kind of exploitive horror where playing horror is not a license to behave horribly the, to- the tools we provide here are for exploring scary stories where characters of every kind must deal with horrific events terrifying threats violation betrayal and emotional and physical vulnerability um so yeah it, I, I thought it was great and it was it was timed perfectly that just you know it's one thing to be uh have like a horror story it's another thing to be uh, a horrible or or having you know being a horrible human being there yeah, we go being a horrible person, yeah. yeah ben just posted it in the uh the discord chat there's here. lots of ways to horrify people and or make them feel scared without resorting to that sort of thing like it can it can be simple as as setting you know like if if you're a good gm you're you're just going to be out there saying well i'm gonna i'm gonna describe this scene and it's going to be really creepy and it's going to make everybody feel uneasy um and then something's gonna something really scary is going to happen it does not have to be traumatic right it doesn't it doesn't have to be scarring for sure like it should never be scarring like it's possible to be scared without being, you know, damaged. Well, you think about old um, horror, like old horror movies. They got their point across with not showing, like the gore yeah. and, and the horror. So many and, horror and, like, movies in the in the past, like coming up, was just like, oh, oh, it's just it's the idea. Exactly, you know? exactly. Uh, the, it's the idea of what could happen. You let, you let people's imaginations take off for them. You know, like set a, set a really scary haunted house kind of scene and let people in their mind's eye, I'm tapping my own head, looking at it like it's a camera. Um, <laughs> let them fill in the blanks, like leave blanks for them to fill in so they can use their imaginations. That's a good role-playing game. Like, like 
you don't have to describe every square inch and millimeter of everything just you know set a scene let the players take it all right yeah i think uh, does anybody have anything else i'd like to add about uh you know safety with rpgs or making sure you don't uh you know cross lines with players at the table or even honestly even if you want to explore a sensitive theme start off with saying that to your group yeah like don't true. you don't go don't go into details just say hey guys i want to try something different tonight um not all of you may be on board with it so i'm just going to outline it and if no if one even one of you doesn't like it just you know nod your head and it won't be a thing it right. it could go even a little step further you know have some anonymous way for people to tell you if they're not comfortable with it or that way people don't feel pressure yeah. If, so yeah if, you don't you're not putting yeah. someone on the spot yeah, yeah. yeah if the majority of the group isn't is okay with it but there's one person who's like ah, you know have some way where that one person can tell you without bringing it to the full attention of everyone else and just just be extremely respectful and mindful of everyone's limits we're all different and we should all strive to make people as comfortable as possible at our gaming tables Absolutely. i gaming do love um go ahead Brian. i recently took a look at uh the uncaged uh uncaged anthology uh, on DM skills for for D and D, um, and every adventure beforehand had a content warning. Oh, interesting. Um, and now there's nothing, nothing to the the extent of what happened at at the Game Expo, but it'll say like you know this um, this adventure deals with infanticide, or suicide, or PTSD, or um, self-harm or, you know, and, and some of them are very, uh, like I said, nothing, there's nothing super awful, but they do put that content warning in even for like a, a, a game master reading the book, like, Hey, this is going to come up in this module. Maybe I'll just skip it. If this is one of my, you know, things I'm not comfortable with. Um, so it's kind, kind of really nice addition to have. I'm just going to jump in there because I was reading through the Uncaged uh, anthology and I agree it's a great thing to have. And it also underscored the fact that we all have different limits because some of the uh, content warnings, I was like, oh, well, why? That doesn't seem like it would be a problem, but it's not a problem for me. Right, but it could it's be a problem for another player. Yeah, I, that, that whole book was just put together with a lot of thought from beginning to end, uh, and it was really great that they they had that in there. I appreciate you guys uh, coming on and, and chatting about that. I know it's not uh, not a great subject to talk about, but I think it's an important subject to, to definitely discuss, and uh, being that we do a lot of RPGs here on the show, and, and you know, a lot of us play RPGs, I, I thought it was a, a subject that we should definitely, definitely talk about, and it's definitely something that I need to be a little more... Um, uh, aware of and and a little more conscious of uh with the show i think even when you get gaming like like jason said sometimes even when you game with your friends sometimes you 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 kind of you know you, you don't realize or maybe you take for granted the fact that maybe you might be touching on some subjects that the folks might not be uh all that comfortable with so i definitely need to be a little more aware of that on uh here, here with vcg and whether we do it either before you know we go live or you know right at the start of every uh, rpg uh, session on the show i think it's something that uh, i need to be a little more proactive about 
So, you know, we we all uh, we all can be better players and better GM that way. All right, so that moves us to our final segment of the show: piles of shame. All right, so basically this is where we talk about everything that we did or we did not play this week uh, or this last week that either added to our piles of shame or took away from our piles of shame. I'm going to let you guys go first, and then I'll talk to you about my shame. Ben, do you have uh, do you have any more games to the Game of Thrones? <laughs> or the Throne uh, of Games, I should say? So... So I do have a new addition uh, to my pile of shame, and that is the Star Trek Deep Space Nine Flux. I ah. I am a huge Deep Space Nine oh, fan. That's my favorite Flux track. Flux is so cool. And uh, so when they came out with the, the Flux, I had to pick it up. And uh, a lot of the people I play board games with are not fans of Flux. I like a good what? filler. I, I like a good filler game every now and again. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, let's face it, we're not going to be uh, having totally epic, you know, four-hour game nights of flux because uh, eventually someone will just luck into a win. But it is a great game to pick out and play. Uh, I actually like to, uh, if I'm traveling, toss toss a copy of Flux in my bag. Yeah, it, it's a, it's a it's, great pick up and play game. Yep, it's a it's a good ice breaking game too for for new groups as well. Um, so that one is on my is on my pile, and hopefully I'll get to take it off soon. But we'll see. Brandon, what about you? Uh, did you add to the pile of shame, or did you take away from your pile? My pile is less of a pile now. Nice! Uh, wow. Okay. After missing uh, missing last week, uh, I actually played two things this week off of my. Uh, off of my pile, I got to play uh, the you know the filler card game. No thanks. Okay, which yeah. is actually pretty fun. You know, everyone that I played it with enjoyed it. They thought it was uh, pretty great. We played maybe like five, six rounds of it. You know, for like such a simple game, there's a lot of strategy to that. And then uh, we also got a uh, chance to play Imperial Settlers. Okay, which has been on my shelf for over two years. <laughs> And I hadn't gotten a chance to play it. I finally got a chance to play it, and uh, took about thirty minutes for me to like read through the rules, understand everything. Then another fifteen minutes to explain it to the people that I was playing with, and then ten minutes to re-explain it because someone said they were on their phone. Oh, oh, that's rough. Yeah, but after that, uh, game took about two hours, and they both everyone enjoyed it. So nice, it's a nice. thumbs up. So it was worth the two uh, two year wait to to play it. Probably not, but <laughs> it was a good game. Well, that's good. That's good. There's nothing worse than having a game in your pile of shame that's been, you know, in there for so long, and then you finally get to the table, and it just doesn't live up to the hype or it doesn't live up to the what you expected it to be. So that's that's good that uh, you know at least it uh, lived up to what you expected. Bob, uh, do you have any? Any uh, additions to your pile of shame, or did it stay about the same at this point? It stayed about the same. A lot of the games that I've got, because um, I really only get a chance at these moments to play during our weekly game nights, and that's like two, maybe three hours. And a lot of the games that I've got on my list are at least that long, so <laughs> you're not fitting that in. 
Uh, it did go up just a little bit because I now have the demo version that we just did for One Night Ultimate Supervillains. Uh, I don't see that ever getting played uh, by myself uh, or like in my group because no one seemed to enjoy the One Night Ultimate series. So that'll probably get traded away or given away as a, a prize for something or other. Um, and then playing this week, I really I didn't get to get anything off my list besides uh, uh, playing probably the jewel of my collection uh, yet again, uh, Kaleka, the Polish uh, uh, history game about uh, queuing up for goods in uh, uh, Soviet Poland. Oh, nice. All right. Uh, who have I missed? Uh, Rob, what's your pile of shame? Did you add or take away from your pile of shame? I have added. Oh no! <laughs> um, so, like I said before, I got uh, I got Madara in, which right, is kind right. of a a large RPG choose your cooperative choose your own adventure type game. Um, I also added uh, my copy of Growl finally arrived oh, from nice. Kickstarter. Yeah. Um, and then I've got three micro RPGs from Thomas Dini that are based off of the versus monsters. Engine. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's a card so based got, uh, uh, RPG. Yep. So I've got versus mirror shades versus empire and versus Mars uh, to play. They're both, they're all really, really tiny little uh, trifold RPGs. Nice. And then not really game related, but a reader of mine uh, sent me a high grade uh, Gundam plastic model. To put together. Um, so I have a, I have a Striker GNX, which I have no idea which Gundam series it is from, um, but it looks really cool, and I'm super excited to start putting that together. Hopefully soon. Some of those are really like intricate, and like they yeah, take a some lot of, those of kits time. Are amazing. Yeah. It's a, it's it's amazing because uh, I my wife like when we were dating had gotten me some of the the smaller Gundam Wing models. Uh, and they were fairly quick to put together and not super detailed. Uh this is the high grade uh line and it is I believe yeah it's 1 144th scale. So it's not huge, but there is a ton of parts and it's sure. not just that it's like it's got the model and then there's like the additional armor kit that mm -hmm, you can put together mm -hmm. and put on it. So it's, it's, ah, it's really cool looking. I can't wait. Ben, you have some of those at the store, right? We do. Yeah. We stock a, a wide range of the Gundams from those very basic kits all the way up to the, the perfect grades that are even, even more intense. Those so, are amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They, uh, they, they've been a good addition for us. So we've, uh, we, we've really liked them. Uh, and I'm actually slowly working on a perfect grade Millennium Falcon kit from Bandai. Uh, that's uh, quite a bear. Uh, both my man co-manager and I are, are working on that slowly when we have a moment. So when you're not playing games. When we're not playing games nice. and, you know, all the other uh, lazy stuff we do at the store. <laughs> and going to New York. When you're sitting on a throne. Yeah, exactly. That's true. Exactly. I, need a, I need a table of games. That's what I need. <laughs> That'll be next. Jason, uh, how about your pile of shame? How do, how is it uh, going? Is it building or is it shrinking? Does shame in the mail count? <laughs> Absolutely it does. 
damn it. <laughs> okay, so as, um, physically, uh, as in actually having, I broke even. Um, I got my uh, the final section of my pledge for Black Oak Workshop's uh, latest uh, Kickstarter for um, Cthulhu-themed dice bags. Or, nice. sorry, not Cthulhu, sorry, my bad. Uh, HP Lovecraft-themed dice bags. Right. Um, so I have so many dice bags, and I need many more dice to put in them. Like, I literally had, like, these bags are huge. You could fit conservatively 60 some dice in each bag i have like 15 bags now <laughs> i have a problem <laughs> um so that was my that was my physical edition my physical uh taking away was the new um expansion i guess you could call it from icrpg um they now have a magic book um specifically to deal with uh spell casting and that sort of thing from their from their role-playing game and i took that off my pile and read the jeebus out of it um um the guy who runs that um i'm, I'm not sure if his name is actually brandish gilhelm or hanker in infernal um because he uses both of names <laughs> i should probably ask him at some point anyway um he had like his first his core book his second edition core book is pretty much a must read for anybody who really wants to be a good gm he has so many amazing ideas um and I've used so many of them in just in recent memory, actually, even with my own group. Um, anyway, that was um, not to get too far into it. That was my takeaway this time. I, I read that book and I started working on uh, working on some additions to my game world with that. Um, and in the mail, I have Into the Weird and Wild is on its way to me. Nice. nice. Kickstarter is uh, finally fulfilled for that. And Hack the Planet is on its way. Uh, that's Sam Joko Publishing. He's actually a fellow from Calgary. Um and something that we should probably talk about next week is the uh, tariffs uh, and how they're impacting Kickstarters and role-playing games and game makers in general. Because there's t there's tariffs going into place for a lot of stuff coming out of China right now. And a well, lot of production companies use China. Yeah, I, I think uh, we actually have our first guest coming next week. Um, yeah, we've got Jason from uh, Face Shift Games that uh, he's going to come on and we're going to talk a little bit about uh, their Kickstarter, which is dropping tomorrow see how i did rob see what i used i did there i love that that was fantastic yeah uh <laughs> they've got a game called dungeon drop that is coming to kickstarter um oh i see what you did there now and it's yeah, dropping yeah tomorrow. yeah i get it i get it. um yeah we've got uh we've got uh jason coming on and we're gonna talk a little bit about uh, his whole process because i love talking about the process of kickstarters to begin with um, so I, it's going to be great to uh, kind of talk about uh, uh, his, you know, ordeal doing the Kickstarter and getting it all set up and whatnot. And then he's just got a great game. I know Rob's got a chance to play with it, play it, and I've got a chance to play it. Um, it's just a really, really fun, family-friendly, light game to get to your table. And plays, you know, 15, 20 minutes, you know, if that. The rules are really easy to to learn you can probably learn them in like five minutes and you can teach it to your kids uh it's just dungeon drop seems like a really great i don't know what it, just just a really great family filler game um and, and it's gonna a, be it's gonna be 16 bucks yeah and the, the price deluxe point. version i think is gonna be 22 and you get some really cool stuff in that yeah so he's a they've got it priced really well b i think it's just it, it's gonna hit a lot of really great demographics that uh, I, I really hope they do well and, and I'd love to see it just take fire the first day and a half or two days and and 
yeah, I, I, I'm I'm really excited to have Jason on and, and and chat a little bit about that whole process of how they uh, how they came to you know get Dungeon Drop to be a thing. I think that's going to do it for this week's episode of the Chaotic Good Cast. It was chaotic, but it was so good. I want to thank Bob, Brandon, Jason, Ben, and Rob uh, for coming on and joining me for this uh, Chaotic Good episode. I think this is episode five. We've already been through five episodes, uh, so I really, uh, I really appreciate everybody that gives their time and comes on this show. Uh, Does it qualify as a bromance now? I think so. I think this is a group bromance. Cool. So thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Thank you, everybody, for joining me. Uh, Rob, where can folks find you if they want to know more about uh, Pond's Perspective? Uh, Pond'sPerspective.com or just search social media for Pond's Perspective and you'll find me. Bob, where where can folks find you hanging out uh, at Medusa Games? Uh, you can find us on uh, mostly Facebook. We're branching into Instagram and Twitter, uh, but Medusa Gaming is where it's at. Brandon, where can folks find you? Just on the Chaotic Good cast? I'm on the internet, uh, Brandonson112. Just kind of just find me everywhere. Nice. Nice. Jason, where can folks find you? Uh, on Facebook, uh, you can find me under Jason Hunt. It's my only Facebook page. Um, on Twitter, I'm at Hexeter. Uh, Steam, I'm at Hexeter. Uh, PlayStation, I'm at Hexeter. Are you getting a theme now? No, I don't get it. I'm not sure. That's okay, Doug. I'll explain it later. All right, folks. Thanks so much for tuning in. This has been the Chaotic Goodcast, Episode 5. We'll see you next week. I like pants.